The title of my message is called The Garden and the, and the Rock. The Garden and the Rock. And I will speak slowly so that you can understand. Amen? When the Bible began, it began with a garden. When it finished, it finished with a rock. When the Bible began, it began with a couple. When it finished, it finished with a fugitive. A man abandoned by the state, a man abandoned by everyone else. When the Bible began, it began with leaves and flowers and fruits. When it ended, it ended on a rock with no rain, no water, no food. When the Bible began, man was in fellowship with God. But it was periodic fellowship because the Bible says God could come during the cold, the cool of the day. But when it ended, man was begging Jesus, come Lord Jesus. And Jesus was more close to this man who was a fugitive. When the Bible began with this garden, we had a curse that to date we are still dealing with. When it ended, we didn't have a curse, we had a promise. When the Bible began, these men were just talking to God once in a while. When it ended, this man had to talk to God throughout for his survival. In a typical sense, all of us want the garden. We want the leaves, we want the trees, we want the breeze, we want the fruit. We want the ease, the comfort. Yet this will lead to a curse. Actually, the next 65 books of the Bible is a, a measure to try to mitigate the damages of this garden. While in actual sense, when this man is done with his rocks, there is no more Bible. So the message this morning is the garden and the rock. Because pastor began by telling us last week about Galatians 3.14 that Christ died so that the blessing of Abraham could come on us and we could have the promise of the spirit. So what was wrong in this garden? What was right in that rock? And how do we move from here to there? That is what we hope to achieve in the next 25 minutes. Are we ready? Are we ready? Thank you. When man was created, he was given a helper. But this helper was next to him, just like this woman is next to this man. And that is where things began to go wrong. And Jesus came and began to correct it because in the Gospels, now we have a helper, but he's not next to us. He's inside us. When the Bible began, the helper was next to the man. He was not inside the man. No wonder the man could succumb and fall and enter into a curse. Today, according to Galatians 3.14, Jesus died so that the blessing of Abraham could climax to one thing called the promise of the Spirit. 
The spirit is now more critical than a life we see in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. The spirit is more critical because through the spirit you will be strengthened on the inside. Through the spirit you will be harmed on the inside. No wonder this man does not have a wife next to him. This man does not have children next to him. This man does not have even a garden to keep him company. Yet this man, by the authority upon his life, he will single-handedly close the Bible as we know it. In the equation of God, John the Revelator is greater than Adam. In the economy of God, John is more significant than Adam. Yes, John does not have a wife next to him. John does not have children. John does not have a job. He does not have pension. He does not have a career. He does not have the breeze of the garden. Yet John is greater because John has one thing most of us are taking for granted. John has the spirit in him. Revelation chapter 1 verse 9, John says, In the last day I was on the island of Patmos, and I was in the spirit of the last day. I was in the spirit. I didn't have the fish that I used to have. I didn't have the career I used to have. I didn't have the parents I used to have. I had the spirit. Show me a man with the spirit, and whether you throw him in a rock, that man will complete glory. He will complete the history. He will complete the story of God. That man will have a future. Adam missed it because he had a helper, but it was a helper next to him, not in him. The Bible says in him we live and move and have our being. Meaning anything outside you will fall. And so Jesus comes to John in Matthew chapter 4 verse 21 to 22. And he finds him with his father. The only disciple Jesus met with his father. And he tells him, John, now come. John, follow me. And he didn't give him any other promise. He just told him, follow me. Read your Bible. We know, you know, we don't have time. I can't go flipping the pages. He tells him, John, follow me. And he met him with his father. He met him in a business. He met him in an enterprise. He met him busy with something. And he told him, John, follow me. John did not know that this following will lead him to the rock. It will lead him to Patmos. Yet, it is this following of Jesus that as he did for the rest of his life, brought him to the end of the Bible. The problem with this man you don't have a problem, okay? Men at work. The problem with this man is that he does not need to follow the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2. And God took man and he put him in the garden which he had planted. This man was put. This man was stagnated. This man was, you know, he had arrived. This man did not have to discover anything. He did not have to pray for anything. He had everything. No wonder the curse came. Any day you become so comfortable, any day you don't need anything else, any day you don't fear for anything, any day you don't care for anything, any day you find you are so content, I tell you the truth, you are, you are on your way to the garden. And with the garden comes the curse. 
John, I am not promising you a garden. I am promising you a journey of faith. John, follow me. And John took this cross and he followed Jesus. But he didn't know that as he follows Jesus, he will be isolated from anything that will ever make him comfortable so that he could achieve true greatness. Pastor told us last week, Jesus died to break the curse. But we need to understand this curse. This curse is not just inherited. It is also developed. It is also cultivated through comfort. Pilgrims in the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they lived in towns, but they dwelt in tents. All the pilgrims did not live in a stone house, they lived in a tent as a psychological reminder that they need to keep walking, they need to keep following, they need to keep pursuing. Because to be sedentary is to be cursed. And today, people are doing anything to just have their comfort, anything to have it easy, anything to have it together. They forget the way of the cross is the way of a journey. You move from faith. The faith of yesterday may not be the faith of tomorrow. So you move from faith to faith. The glory of today may not be the glory of tomorrow. So you have to move from glory to glory. In the process, you will have dismantled this curse this deception. Allow me to keep rubbing it here because that is what I got as my instructions. I was told, teach about how do we break this curse? How do we overcome this sin? In the garden, my brother, look at me. In the garden, the serpent is talking. The serpent is chatting. Imagine a garden where snakes talk. <laughs> Yet that is what sedentary life will do to you. That is what being stagnated will do to you. That is what sitting down on your gifting will do to you. That is what sitting down on your calling will do to you. You begin to chat, but with snakes. Snakes begin to talk. And the woman is chatting and reasoning and arguing and giving opinions. And before they know it, a curse has come because instead of stepping on the serpent, they were talking with the serpent. When Jesus meets this man in Luke 10 verse 19, he says, I will give you power over all the scorpions and serpents to tread on them. Because unless you tread on them, you shall talk with them. You go to some nations and a man is behaving this way, a woman is behaving that way, I don't need to give details, and they say, I was made this way. And I reasoned with myself and I decided to be this way. Serpents came and instead of being crushed, they were talked with. How do we break the curse? We have to be on the move. So that our feet are ready to tread on serpents and scorpions. Some feet are so heavy, they cannot tread on serpents because they are sitting down and they are reasoning and they are planning and they are strategizing while the serpent is coiling around them in a bid to finish them. So the problem here was the garden was so sweet. The breeze was so cool. The snakes could only but talk. You know, snakes also love good environment. 
A friend of mine lives near a forest, and once in a while, during now this sunny season, the snakes will come out of the forest to the house, looking for somewhere cool so that they can hide. Thank God for the fire of the Holy Spirit. The more you have the fire, the more the snakes must run. Tell your neighbor, snakes must run. Can I keep talking? So, the breeze was so cool, the serpent could afford to talk and not fear that it will be burned. Because everything is so cool. Mommy and daddy are rolling hands. God is good. There is no need for warfare. There is no need for fire. Allow me to jump to my favorite part of the same story. Genesis chapter 4. It is short time. Children have looked at mommy and daddy, especially the firstborn, okay? The firstborn is usually the best student. Children have looked at mommy and daddy, but we are looking at the firstborn. The firstborn has looked at how daddy plays with the flowers and the fruits and the trees. And now it is time for the firstborn to meet God. And what does the firstborn do? He collects the leaves and the fruits and he takes to God. Cain took plants to the altar. Because according to mommy and daddy, it is flowers and trees and fruits. Anytime he meets daddy, daddy is with the flowers and trees and fruits. So it, it is time to meet God. And Cain can only, as the firstborn, he can only take what he sees daddy preoccupied with. That is the language he can speak. <laughs> so the problem of Cain was not just him not having a good art. It was him having a wrong example. How many people, when they come to this altar to pray, they are bringing prayer items picked from their parents? Mama said I must work hard to be an engineer, so I don't even need to be saved. I need to be an engineer. Mommy said I must go and be a CEO. So I don't even need to be sanctified from these, uh, these sins that I'm, I'm having privately. I need to bring the leaves and the trees of mommy and daddy. And what was the result of that, people? Genesis chapter 4. Let's keep talking. This man or this couple, God forbid, but this couple called Adam and Eve, they lost their second bond. Because of the mistake of the firstborn. The first death recorded in history now happens because a man looked at daddy and mommy and he copied the wrong thing, which did not work. We are pushing them to be engineers. We are pushing them to be farmers. We are pushing them to be rich. And in the process, we are killing them because what we thought will work for them may not work. And after, after a while, they begin to be frustrated. So Cain kills Abel because the offerings he thought mommy and daddy will approve of, God does not approve. So he's frustrated, he's hungry. Let's walk a bit, shall we? John comes to this rocky place without a wife, without children. And God has mercy on him because he no longer needs Abel or Cain. He needs what we find in Galatians 5.22. He needs a fruit of the Spirit. Here, when man knew his wife, there was a fruit, 
But the fruit was what? The fruit was Cain and Abel. It was a physical fruit. But here, when man now knew God and nothing else, knew God, no life, no government, knew God, we hang only at God, here we have the fruit of the Spirit. Our society is broken. It is twisted somewhere because we no longer ask men for the fruit of the Spirit. We ask them for the fruit of their garden. Where do you stay? Hmm? Where do you stay? Which car do you drive? Where did you go to school? No wonder the altars of many ministries are not producing because we have gardeners, not prophets. Do I keep talking? So this man knows his wife. They become intimate with the wife and they produce after their kind. Go read your Bible. They produce after their kind. And after their kind fails because one of them kills the other and that generation becomes messed up. But this man has no, nothing else to know. He has nothing else to be intimate with. He has nothing else to connect to except God. So this one ends up being a prophet while this one ends up being a manager of a garden and a household. The curse came because a man was busy managing. He forgot to prophesy. Because prophecy comes out of a union of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is not just a gift. Prophecy is a place. There's a place you reach with God. All you can do is see the future, see the mind of God, see the heart of God. This man did not have any prophecy. That man had prophecy. Why did he have prophecy? Because he had time to bond with God, to rub on the mind of God, to rub on the heart of God. But he took a journey. Tell your neighbor he took a journey. A journey from fishing by Galilee, connecting with mommy and daddy, to following Jesus to the edge of the rock of Patmos. And our sister was saying this morning during worship, let us give God our all. Let us give God our all. And some people are wondering, Ay, give God our all means what? Give God our all means you are no longer sitting comfortable in a garden. You are taking a journey to the edge of an island. An island where there is no government, there is no, you know, there is no fresh water, there is no comfort, there is no recreation. There is only God. Because the beauty with that island, when you are done, God is also done. There is no more repentance to do. There is no more singing to do. There is no more strategy to do. According to God, the game is over. It is possible to live your life in such a way that when you are done, God no longer needs to amplify or add to anything. You have finished your race. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished. Not I will finish. Not that I have left it to Timothy. No, I have finished. It is possible to finish. When this man is over, God is over. When this man is done writing, God is done writing. Is it possible to have that life? Yes. And how can we have it? One secret, the spirit. <laughs> is it possible to go beyond the curse of, I don't have food, I don't have clothes? Yes, it is possible. But how is it possible? The spirit. Numbers 23 verse 18, Jesus, no, no, God tells Moses, take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, lay hands on him and commission him to be a leader. The spirit was the 
qualification of Joshua. Nothing else. I know maybe you come from a great family or a broken family, but at the end of it, the question is this. When you stand before God to be commissioned, do you have the basic ingredient, which is the spirit? This man is so busy. As a wife, my God, he has 10 acres of land and they are all tilled and watered. This man has four rivers and counting. This man has everything except the spirit. No wonder he became cursed. No wonder after him, God has to do damage 65 times by writing 65 books, trying to correct what he has done. But after this man is just done sitting on the rock and saying, come Lord Jesus, there is no more 65 books. I begged God one day, you know, when I was in prayer. I begged him, I told him, Lord, bring me to the place where when I'm done talking, the next speaker has nothing to say. When I'm done living, the next generation has nothing else to do but to say, praise God, hallelujah, Jesus return, we are done. When I'm done reasoning with a man, the next person to reason has no other point to give. Why? Because I am a man, not with a woman, not with a garden, not with a career, but with a spirit. The rock becomes more beneficial than the garden. Because the rock reduces you to need God, to depend on God. The rock reduces you to lift your eyes to heaven and say, Lord, like David says in Psalm 73 verse 25. David says, who have I in heaven but you? There is no one else I desire beside thee. Now listen, this man talking like this lives in a palace. I am not against prosperity. Boy, I'm not looking forward to being poor. I'm, work, I'm doing everything to be rich. But I'm not against prosperity. I am against the illusion of prosperity. The deception of prosperity. The sweet sweetness of prosperity. Where a serpent is talking to you and you're also talking to it. Are you hearing me? Where you want to cry for the Holy Spirit because you have a next thing to help you. You have a next option to help you. You no longer say, Holy Spirit, you are my comforter. Holy Spirit, you are my helper. So David is in a palace, which is greater than this garden. Yet, he steps out, goes to a temple and kneels down and say, Who have I on this whole earth? Yet, I have a palace. But who have I in all this except you? There is nothing I desire more than you. Yes, I have a palace, but I, in my spirit, I am living on a rock. A dry place where only God can give me water for my thirst. The curse will be broken when we have the rock mentality. A mentality that though I am put in the middle of the palace, the palace will never satisfy me. Don't put in the middle of being in charge of a whole empire like Babylon. Yet, that will never satisfy me. Do you know why Daniel is great? Daniel is great not because he was a wise man. No, Daniel is not great because he lived during Nebuchadnezzar. No, Daniel is great because he survived prosperity. He survived opulence. He survived comfort. 
He survived the meat of the king and the wine of the king. Daniel is great because he survived what made others to be fat. The Bible says, and Daniel purpose in his heart not to defile himself. Why? In the defilement is the loss of greatness. So Daniel is put in charge of the greatest empire that ever ruled this world. To date, anything widely is called Babylonian. Daniel is put in charge. He was the head of that empire. Yet, like John, he remained a prophet. Like John, he remained a prayer warrior. Like John, he remained a seeker for the kingdom to come. How do we break this curse? We will break it by remaining seekers of the kingdom to come. How do we break this curse? We will break it by staying closer to the king who is yet to come. Daniel as a king, my people. Daniel as a king. He's called Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible even calls him king of kings, meaning all other kings were under Nebuchadnezzar. And this Daniel was sitting next to this king, yet he looked for a kingdom that this king could not give. No wonder he was great. As I finish, come my brother. Some of you, after a while, you'll be told, it is time to come out of the garden. The garden of Honorable so-and-so is my friend, is my connection. The garden of my sister-in-law works in the White House. The garden of my papers have just increased. Now there are four. There used to be one. The garden of my account balance is now reading in six figures. And God will tell you, let's take a walk. Follow me. And as you follow Jesus, as you take this cross, he will be saving you from the curse that came upon this man and his firstborn son. He will be saving you from the curse of children who cannot pray to God, children who cannot even reason with God. They can only carry anger. You know, I look at the current generation and my heart breaks because it is a very Cain kind of generation. A generation of children who cannot keep their temper. They, they vent and they argue and they fight and they kick and they threaten. A generation of children who cannot control their anger. Because Cain could not control his anger. A generation of children who threaten suicide when they are not given maybe blue band or whatever little thing they want. And the way to break this curse Parents must go beyond their gardens. They must follow the Lord to the rock. My brothers and my sisters, I beg you, listen to me. It is more blessed to say, I am waiting on God, even for my daily bread, than to say, I have all I want. One of the curses that came upon the church of Pergamum in the book of Revelation was that they were so full, they did not need the Lord. Pastor Kimani, a few years back, a friend of mine went to the U.S. I was still in high school. And when he arrived in this local church in Carolina, he went to the altar before the pastor or anybody came, and he began to pray. And typical of him, he began to cry to God, and tears were coming out. The whole church gathered around him. They wondered, what is wrong with you? Do we take you for counseling? Do you need to see a psychiatrist? Have you lost your loved one? 
And it's like, but I'm praying to God. But what is your problem? Turn down. Why are you crying? Why do you have to cry yet we, we can facilitate everything? <laughs> they facilitate everything, but there are things in their bodies they can't remove. There are things in their souls they can't remove. There, is, there, are, there are thoughts in their head they can't wrestle down to the ground at night. According to Jesus, come to me so that you have blind eyes, I may give you eyes salve, and you are poor, I will give you food to eat. After this, some of you, maybe it can be next year or 10 years from now, the Lord will tell you, follow me. Let's go to a rock where unless the Lord provides, you do not have. Unless the Lord refreshes you, you are dry. Unless the Lord comes through with comfort, you have no comfort. Unless the Lord wipes away your tears, you have no joy. Come to me. Come follow me. It is more blessed to be in need of everything because the Lord is your only provider. So today you eat because God gave you food, not because you want to work another salary. Today you have health, not because you have the health insurance, because the Lord decides, this one I will give health. Today you have strength, not because you ate carbohydrates, but because the Lord said, I will give this one strength. The curse will not be broken just by prayer. The curse will be broken through a journey of surrender. A journey of moving from green trees to moving to a brown, dry rock where only the Lord can be sufficient. Closing my Bible. Where are we today? Is it summertime? Where you're just relaxing, having fun, enjoying yourself? Or is it Patmos time where you are begging God for your security? Pastor Kimani, imagine being in a rock alone. The government officers are not there to protect you. Your relatives do not even know your GPS. <laughs> you are alone. That place, you need God as your watchman, right? You need God as your plumberman. You need God as your electrician. You need God as your everything. It may look like a curse, but when you are done with that life, there is no other Bible to read. You are finished your journey. But with this comfort, with this entitlement, it is damage after damage, tears after tears. When this man is done burying his firstborn, he goes to the field and it is thorns. When he comes from the field, he comes home. He finds a wife who must give birth with pain and they cry through the labor pain. It was headache after headache. But there, there is no headache. There is only intimacy. There is only a longing for a kingdom that has been promised. Dear Jesus, we ask you today, Break the curse of comfort, the curse of having enough. The curse of being too full till we think we are full but we are empty. Break it, Lord Jesus. This morning we ask you that we will be those parents who will have children who can call on God with acceptableness. That whatever they imitate of us will touch the heart of God. It will not offend God. Naaman comes to Elisha, Lord, and he begins to argue with the prophet. He begins to say, he's not a banner and papa better, yet he forgot. Only what God calls better is better. Only what God says is holy 
is holy. Only what God says is worthy, is worthy. Remove us from standards that has been set for us, which were outside your Holy Spirit, Lord. Remove the standard that has been set for us that was outside your will and bring us to the liberty of following you, to the edge of the rock. Yet if that rock is you, we will be safe. This we ask in Jesus' name. God bless you, Pastor.